Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash. This is another AMA episode. That is, ask me anything. I'd love to answer your questions. If you've got a question that you think is going to be of broad interest, send it in. I'll answer it live on the air. Send your questions to victor at victorjm.com. That's victor at victorjm.com. Johnny writes, I invest in single-family rentals in several U.S. markets. Most are Midwestern, conservative, and stable environments with steadily growing populations and economies. There's modest depreciation, but solid and dependable cash flow. The outlier is Chicago. I enjoy the very strong cash flow I receive from Section 8 tenants, but the impending pension crisis presents a precarious situation in the future. Chicago's pension situation looks abysmal with the future reckoning not far away. When I see this down the road and pause with concern, I also know there are a few states, municipalities, without a pension dilemma. The perennial question, compared to what, comes to mind. Also, when there's a pension crisis that becomes fully actualized, people will still fundamentally need housing. Is this a matter investors do need to consider regarding long-term buy-and-hold strategies, or is Chicken Little saying the sky is falling? Well, Johnny, that's a great question. My responses are based on personal experience, and you should take my response as a point of view or an opinion, not as the gospel. And with that disclaimer, here goes. One of my cardinal rules is to invest in growing markets. I like influx of jobs and influx of population. Both Chicago and the state of Illinois have lost population in the last several years. Illinois lost 115,000 population last year. That means that both the state and the city are experiencing a falling tax base. Cities like Chicago are struggling with meeting obligations for their entitlement programs. Whether there's public housing, pensions, operating programs like education, infrastructure maintenance, public transit, all of these require huge demands for money and the cities are having a hard time. I don't know if your property is located physically inside the boundary of the city of Chicago proper or one of the neighboring municipalities. I can tell you there can be some dramatic differences from one municipality to the next. For example, the city of Oak Park, Illinois is a small area on the western edge of Chicago. The dividing line between Chicago and Oak Park is North Austin Boulevard. Properties on the east side of North Austin are inside the city of Chicago, and properties on the west side are in the municipality of Oak Park. The exact same house on the west side of the street could be facing property taxes that are three times what the house directly across the street is paying, simply because it's in a different municipality. As cities have struggled to meet their obligations, they've been ratcheting up property taxes in attempt to make up the shortfall. Let me give you an example. I'll give you a specific address, 514 North Taylor Avenue in Oak Park, Illinois. It's a modest house priced at $279,900. The listing says it's a five-bedroom home with a total square footage of 2,260 square feet. It was built in 1904. It was under renovation, and it's currently in foreclosure. Back in 2008, this property paid $6,400 a year in taxes. Taxes have increased virtually every year, and by 2016, totaled $13,560 in property taxes, more than double in less than a decade the city could still not manage to get its financial house in order. And this is what happens when you get cities that are not well managed financially. The city of Chicago has been so desperate for cash, they sold their parking meter business to a private company for over $2 billion. So that company now has the right to collect parking revenue for the city of Chicago for the next 20 years. Shortly after, parking rates in Chicago skyrocketed. And anyone with basic math skills can figure out that the city did a bad deal and the buyer 
or the parking meter business got a great deal. They're on the path to becoming really rich. I had some Section 8 tenants in the city of Chicago. The CHA, the Chicago Housing Authority, does pay a premium over market rent to landlords who accept tenants with the CHA vouchers. And while the numbers look good on a spreadsheet, the extra 150 bucks a month in rent did not cover the higher costs associated with meeting the extraordinary demands of the inspectors, uh, nor the needs to cover the higher property maintenance and property damage incurred by Section 8 tenants. We were visiting those properties far more often than regular properties. We had experiences that should never happen. We had tenants who would smash the electrical cover plates on the outlets and then lodge a complaint with the housing authority that we were not maintaining the properties. The housing authority would then fine us one month rent and refuse to pay rent until the repairs were made. So we would lose 1500 bucks a month in rent because the tenant intentionally damaged about $5 worth of electrical cover plates. This is one of many situations that made no sense whatsoever. The tenant didn't benefit financially from this action. It was done purely to harm us, and we can't even figure out why they did this. It was a purely destructive action, and there was no financial gain for anybody. When you're dealing with a city that is losing population, property taxes are going up, that creates a negative cycle. It means that more people are going to leave as opposed to coming into the city. They're not going to want to pay the higher taxes. If a landlord's in financial trouble, their buildings often experience deferred maintenance. Well, the same is true for cities. If the city's in financial trouble, the cities are going to experience deferred maintenance. People don't like to move into cities with crumbling infrastructure, where the city simply cannot afford to provide basic services. We experienced that in New York City back in the early in the mid-1980s. In New York, it took the strong leadership of Mayor Rudy Giuliani to turn that city around, and that was followed by the strong leadership of Mayor Bloomberg. So it's not the pension issue per se that's causing people to leave. There's issues of crime, there's issues of municipal services, and that's why Illinois is losing 313 people per day. Focus on growth, focus on influx of jobs, and influx of population as your key metric. Thank you, Johnny, for a great question as you think about that. Have an awesome rest of your day. Go make some great things happen. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.